Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, the big show, the biggest and most important critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. And today, the, the noise is going to be noisier than usual because we're in the Silverado studio, the 19 something or other Silverado with the lots of airflow, good airflow, whether we like it or not. Farm truck. Farm truck. Soft to do farm truck things. We're out doing farm trucking kind of things today. We're actually using the farm truck for farm truck type things because we're farming. We're farmers. We're not actually farmers, but we have a homestead-ish sort of thing that we're trying to build. We are orchardists. We are orchardists. We are. We have an orchard. So, welcome to the show. Today, we have one of our extra special episodes. It's a mystery show. What do we mean by a mystery show? I wonder what we're talking about. Spice doesn't know. I came up with the idea, and she does not know what it is. So, without further ado... She looks at him expectantly. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Oh, we're going to talk about beats. Okay, anyway. We're going to stop I, him yeah, from singing Sorry, that was the 1967 sick, number six in the nation hit by Sonny and Cher. Cher. Cher still performs that in concert with Sonny, the track of his vocals, sent through the PA system, which is kind of weird if you think about it. But then again, Cher performing in 19, or 2018 is itself kind of weird. weird if you think yeah. about it. Okay. Beats. Beats. Beat, All right. Beat, beat. Here's the She's thing. Talk I, about just, I just wrote an article about beats, and this podcast will accompany that article because I've been doing an which experiment, which will not be published today, by the way, with beats. Because I already set up tonight's publication. Cool. And it's not that one tonight. We're going with the poochies, the dogs. Alrighty. So, in fact, if you we're recording this the day that the if you are a podcast listener that the dogs the tra- the prepping with your dogs episode dropped that's when we're recording so you know when we're recording this so could i just put that live before i came out here go right ahead beats are one of those things that are barely on a lot of people's radar including mine but every now and then you see them at the farmers market and the people selling them are almost always the mennonites now that tells me something because the Mennonite women are good at gardening, and they make good food. So, if you put those things together, that is a reason to have some interest in beets. Okay. And since a lot of the reason I do what I do with my garden is to run prepper experiments of one sort or another, I'm always trying out something new. This year, one of the things I, I decided to uh, go in on harder than I ever had before, I planted a few last year, I started to really experiment with beets. The beet goes. See if they were good prepper food. I can't stop singing that song. Because here's the thing. They're a root vegetable. And root vegetables give you a lot of calories per garden space on average. And root vegetables tend to store very well without refrigeration. You can often uh, put them... In a basement or something, in uh, you get some sand and you dampen the sand just a little bit. And you put the root vegetables in there with most of the dirt knocked off but not really cleaned. And then you put more damp sand on top and you set them down somewhere cool. You can often get them to stay good all winter long until the uh, spring vegetables are ready the next year. No refrigeration required. 
and that is, of course, valuable to a prepper. Right. Now, we don't have a root cellar, but we do have a cellar. And it stays pretty cold, especially in the winter. Yeah, and one can also use the bottom bin of the refrigerator for the same job, by the way. Except for we don't have enough space in ours, so. Yeah, I got the look. I just got the look. <laughs> I got the look. I was going to mention that he doesn't use the bottom drawers of the refrigerator, so how would he know what's in there? We actually kept a, a couple of onions in there all winter long last winter just to see how long that lasts. Did we? We did. We run experiments like that. Who do? And we also do eggs, by the way. We've tried eggs. Uh, we're, work, we're working on eggs. We've got a project going on eggs. Yeah. We'll, we'll be back with we'll the eggs. We'll be back eggs. to eggs. Today's the beets. So I decided to uh, try them out as a prepper food. First thing is, why would you bother? Because beets are a root vegetable, but potatoes are also a root vegetable. And most people know how to cook potatoes. They like potatoes, and potatoes also tend to store very well. Yeah, you can get a good nine, ten months out of a potato without any kind of special anything. So that's, why would you give up space in your garden for beets when you could put potatoes in the same spot? Well, for one thing, you can't put potatoes in the same spot every year. Potatoes are much more prone to disease problems than a lot of other vegetables, frankly. That whole potato famine thing? Yeah, I need to do an article on the potato famine. We need to do an article. This is a prepper article that needs to be done. The potato famine and potato blight. This is something we need to work on. So that's just yeah, a, we keep, it's such a darn... We keep coming you, back and touching on it. If I you do. haven't read it and, and understand the story, because there's so many, many, many prepper lessons to be learned in the Irish potato famine across the board. From political to economic to actual biological, across the board. But the bottom line is you just can't grow potatoes in the same spot every year or bad things happen. Yeah, and you, you'll lose your whole crop. So that's one reason you would need an alternate. Another is uh, length of season. When I planted the beets... I actually planted them before the last snow, much to my surprise. <laughs> Didn't expect an April snow. We don't generally get them. But well, I planted boy, we some. got one this year. Yeah, and it, it snowed for real. Biggest snow we had all year was in April. My side, my one aside, here's my side. I was very happy to see the snow because I just, and I mean just, had purchased or received my Sony A7R3. Video camera and thing. <laughs> and I was just learning how to do video on it. And the snow came, and snow videos are just cool. I may, should I post the video? I think you should. I'll post it. It was video. a cool video. It's a cool video. Yeah. I mean, this is just an experimental video. So I'll post a video on the link with the, in the, in the, uh, somewhere or other. I'll post it somewhere. Oh, oh, sorry, bird. Sorry, bird. We just yeah, there went a robin. I just it hit chose the poorly. Yeah. Sorry about that. Always feel bad when I hit a songbird. Anyway, so snow after the after they went in didn't bother them a bit. They didn't care. Yeah, except I discovered that beets are slow to germinate because when the time came when I expected the spring vegetables to start popping up. And the ones I'd put in with the beets and the beets, nothing was coming up. I thought, yep, 
that hard frost we got right after the snow, it offed them. I better replant. So I replanted a bunch of stuff. And a couple of weeks later, uh, not ten days later, all the beets came up. All the beets. The first ones and the second plantings. All the beets. They all came up. So you they were delayed. Beat that. Uh, they survived. They just germinated more slowly, and they eventually came up. So I had lots and lots of beets. And since I'd never planted them before, I didn't know how well they germinated. I had planted a bunch of seeds because, frankly, I got a little, an envelope of them that had a bunch of seeds because the Mennonite stores we shop at do not stint when they put seeds in the package. I actually scooped them in there. You buy them by the tablespoon. Bunch of seeds for 30 cents or something like that. Had a ton of them. So I had a whole bunch of beets. So I started thinning them out and uh, tossing the greens in my early spring salads. And they're good that way. The leaves are a little bit tough, but if you got a bunch of the really soft other spring greens in there, that's kind of a nice change of pace when you got these little two-inch leaves. So I thinned them out by putting them in my salads. And then when they grew up a little further, I had to thin them out again. They were a little tougher than I wanted in my salads. I started sautéing those suckers with yes, olive oil. You've always heard about turnip greens on the Beverly Hillbillies. Well, it's a real thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to turnips on a different day. We also did a turnip there. experiment I this there. year. I was getting there. I say beet greens. Yeah. I was working my way to the... You hear about turnip greens. Well, beet greens are basically the same thing. But better. Are they better? Better. Okay. A lot better. The turnip experiment was not as successful, but again, I'll, I'll, I'll be back to that one later. The beet greens were really good sautéed. I sauté them mostly in a cast iron skillet with a little oil, toss in some lemon juice, and I use Faco's fake bacon bits because we don't eat commercial meat and the bacon's actually work really good in a lot of things they yeah work a good a, a, a slight aside bacon's on pizza try it trust oh, me bacon's on pizza it works better than the actual bacon because the actual bacon can get real greasy the bacon's gives you the flavor but it doesn't get greasy and baked potatoes and baked potatoes absolutely great on baked potatoes but we digress but we digress, and we come back. So you start eating them as soon as the greens are up. You've got greens to eat for about two or three weeks. And then when you start, yeah, I, I continued to thin as the season went on because I could see the uh, actual roots were growing, and they were starting to crowd each other. So I started uh, pulling the smaller ones that were losing anyway. And I'd eat the greens, and I'd then have these little beets to cook. I started cooking beets. I'm not done cooking beets. I'm still pulling them and cooking them as I want them. So you got the greens, and you got the roots. You start eating them uh, within a month of when you planted them. You can keep eating them basically until the uh, next season comes around, one way or another. So they are a much more extended crop than are the potatoes. Right, and we've got, we just pulled the one, the picture that you're going to see with this podcast and in the article, we just pulled a couple days ago. So we could take a picture of it, actually. But uh, and, they're ready to go. Know, they're ready I to go. Eat it. Yeah. They're ready to go. Yeah. So, yeah, beets. 
you know, beets are kind of like cranberries sauce. People expect them to come out of a can. Yeah. Because you got those. Most people have never eaten them anyway, but but the pickled ones out of a can. Right. And, Which I've always kind of liked. Those are, you know, those are, those are, we're, those we're are not okay. opposed to those. Uh, but they're often guys, a little high in sodium, but, you know, we're not opposed to those. Are not nearly as good as fresh beets or freshly pickled beets. And beets are also one of these things that, that I've heard. I haven't done it yet, but I've heard this kind of an interesting throw in where you dice them up, cook them in a sauces and stuff like that, and you can get extra vegetable in the sauce, and people don't realize they're there. And extra color. Extra color. That's one thing about the beets, guys. You are not going to hide these vegetables in somebody's food. No, but if you put them in something like, say, a chili mac. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, make, it, it makes just makes them, really them even stuff. redder and more, you know. We had some uh, hunted pork, and I tossed them in with some hunted pork when I cooked that. And that was really good. Did you put some of them? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I really like the uh, cooked beets straight up, cooking them. Um, so here's how I cook them. One thing about the beet roots is they take a long time to actually cook if you're boiling them or something. Because they're a hard root. That's one of the reasons they last so well. So what I do is I stick them in my Instant Pot pressure cooker. Oh, she's an Instant Pot fanatic. Oh, because it's so easy. Yeah. Well, now, you got to give me that one. Instant Pot, I was right. He was right. He found it. He bought it for me. I tried it. I loved it. I didn't think I'd want We're a pressure cooker. We're going to have to do an wrong. episode or two on Instant Pots. Even though okay. it's not specifically a prepping I'll, uh, tool. But I'll it do is. it after I do a couple of these canning projects I've got for the Instant Pot so okay. I can report on those. Because they're part of the story. But we'll help you out. Instant Pot. Two thumbs up, way up. Yeah. Really worked. So to cook the beets, I just uh, stick them in there, add a cup of water. You don't even have to scrub them good because you're going to take the peels off. I wash them pretty much. Take the greens off to eat. Stick the roots in there. Run the Instant Pot for an hour if they're ginormous beets. And uh, much less than that if they're small beets. If I got a mixture, I cut the biggest ones so that they're more even in size and then cook for the biggest ones. They don't really suffer if you overcook them in the Instant Pot. They don't get mushy and disgusting. So that that's a real plus. Then you just let them cool down a little bit. And then you go to pick them up. And the skins just slip right off them. So you don't have to peel those suckers. The skins aren't very nice to eat. Um, nutritionally, they're a half a step behind potatoes. Fewer calories per cup. Both of them have good minerals, but uh, potatoes have a little bit more, so long as you're eating the skins. They both have good fiber. They both have decent protein Potatoes got a little bit more. Beets have a bunch of cool antioxidants going on that potatoes don't have. So, slightly inferior to potatoes there. Actually, the only really big drawback I came across on the beets, compared to the potatoes, the big one, was in potatoes you can do these bin things. And I've, I'm, I'm doing bin experiments, I'll report on those guys too. But if you get the bins going right, you can plant some potatoes in a box, keep building the box taller, keep adding dirt, and you can coax the potatoes to keep adding more and more potatoes. As they get more and more soil around their stems, they'll start sprouting more potatoes. 
I gave them an extra shot of water the other day. Yeah. They were starting to look a little unhappy. Yeah, so. they're getting close to the end of their season. That's part of the reason they're starting to look ragged. Okay. Well, I was, like I said, I was just trying to. Yeah. It's It's been so dry. We've been trying to help the garden yeah, out. We've had, a lot of, we've had a lot of dry this year. It's, it's crazy because as wet as Iowa has been, we have friends in Iowa who have just been drowning in the stuff. Yeah. It's just been dry here. Although we've gotten a couple rains that a lot of other people haven't gotten. As in, we've got, we got a rain last night in Inch and Three. Yep, yep, yep. That uh, Man, the town 25 miles away from us didn't get a drop. A town 13 miles south of us didn't get a drop. I mean, we could see right here. This didn't and we get got a drop. More than Where we're driving now, we're about 20 miles from home. There's this dry as can be. Yeah, the uh, the beans, when we started this podcast, looked Fantastic. twice as good as the beans here do. Because we've, we've gotten two of these inch-plus rains that... They've missed, like, where we're at, 20 miles. I credit my garden, though. Yeah. it's a, The old farmers used to call it a double shotgun or a shotgun rain because you'd set out your uh, double-barrel shotgun, lean it up against a fence post, and it would rain in one barrel and wouldn't rain in the other. That's how localized it was. Yep. So and This corn's suffering. Oh, this corn's horrible. But our There's garden was happy this morning. So you can't do that with beets. You get the one root from each beet plant, and that's what you get from each beet plant. Um, they are, I put them in some fairly bad soil. I put them in some good soil. They both thrived. I gave them absolutely no pest control. They didn't care. They didn't need any. To be fair, we've had a pretty good pest year, though. Uh, my turnips didn't think so. Uh, you turnips got eight? A, a zillion and twelve turnip beetles out there. Uh-oh. Their season's passed now, but, you know. Uh, yeah, generally it's been a good bug year because we had a cold winter yeah. snap. But, you know, uh, there's something you can grow without needing a bunch of support for them, in other words. They're not a finicky crop. They were okay with being dry-stressed and then dunked and then dry-stressed and then dunked. Some plants don't like that either. Okay, one thing I, I, I want to start mentioning, um, just so that everybody is perfectly clear, we're talking about uh, plants that are grown in north Missouri in decent but not great soil, and our zone is what, 5-something? 5 5B. 5B? Yeah. So that's our zone. Give me an idea about what kind of... Yeah. Uh, and we're talking about moderately moderate amounts of rain because we do some watering it, it's been drier than all get out to be honest with you but we've been watering some so yeah i, I, I started this experiment last year and did a tiny little experiment with a little you know three foot long row just to see if they grow at all yeah last year was prescription rains man it, it came as if they were on prescription yeah i i didn't thin them the first year and that did not do them any good. Bridge closed I, I, 12 miles ahead. Oh, no. Sorry. We will somehow manage to cope. We have a big wheel drive pickup truck. We don't need no yeah. stinking bridges. <laughs> bridges are for wimps. So uh, that's the story. I didn't think they were better than potatoes, but I thought they were... It's important to have diversity in your garden, guys, because some years some things will just fail. 
and you absolutely do not want to keep replanting many plants in the same spot where they grew the last year. You want to give them often two or three years between when you put a particular plant in a particular place because they start to get infested the first year, but the infestation doesn't get too bad. But they drop all their eggs, and some of the adults will overwinter in the soil right underneath there. So if you put the same plant in the same soil the next year, the infestation is much worse the second year. And potatoes in particular are prone to that kind of problem. The commercial potatoes, are they spray the living daylights out of those guys with pesticides. It is so bad that I have read that most of the Idaho potato farmers actually keep a separate patch for their home potatoes. They won't eat what comes out of their fields because they've sprayed so much stuff on it because the uh, potatoes are so prone to diseases. So potatoes are a great food in many respects, but you don't want to lean solely on them or you'll be like a 1940, uh, 1848 Irishman counted on the potato and got squat. Okay, now let me explain what just happened here. We're in Missouri, thank goodness. Because were we in Iowa, that, or I mean in Idaho, the Idaho <laughs> State Potato Patrol would, would be, pulling us be over. circling the car <laughs> with to haul teams. her butt off to prison for disparaging Idaho potatoes. Idaho is serious about their potatoes. Oh, they are. So you talk about serious. You can joke about anything in the world in Idaho except potatoes. If you make fun or disparage their potatoes, you're going away in bracelets, you're going to prison, and you're going to get roomed with bad people who are going to do bad things to you. Because last, it's Idaho, and they have... They love their potatoes They love their potato, They protect their potato industry with... Aggressively. I mean, they, they would make Tony Soprano happy by the way they protect their potato industry. Yeah. The last time we were there, there was a news story about a, a couple first, of guys first being... First story, lead story, lead story of the news. Of the news. Um, two guys going to to the big house on a felony charge. Big house, not just, I mean, years in For the big representing house. a load of Montana potatoes as Idaho potatoes. Prison. Yeah. For not labeling Montana potatoes with Idaho, made in Idaho, yeah. grown in Idaho. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> so don't mess with those. Idaho Potato Growers Association, those guys, are they're all over it. If you actually have to produce a lot of your calories from your garden, the root crops are a great friend to a prepper. And, frankly, or a homesteader. they're less likely to get stolen out of your garden. Yeah. Because you have to stop and dig them up, and that's work. And, I, you know, that's I don't know that that's true for beets. I'll leave a few beets in the ground and try it. And we, we don't potatoes, have a lot of garden thieves, though. I, well, I know, but it's nice to know if these things work <laughs> or not. I had read that a lot of the Irish used to leave their potatoes in the ground until they actually wanted to eat them and no. just dig them up. Yeah, those people who made those sources are inaccurate. They didn't actually do that. Yeah, I, I tried that. And I tried it with a, a bunch of potatoes that actually were ready 
about a month before the end of summer. Yeah. And those potatoes were goo when I tried to right. dig them up two months later to eat right. them. So you, you get your potatoes out when they're ready. When the tops die back. there are some back, things you can you gotta leave. you got to dig them up. Onions you can leave. Yeah, I've come across onions by accident the next year that I missed harvesting. And I'm planting the next spring, preparing the soil the next spring, and I accidentally come across these onions. They've been in the ground all winter. They're fine. Talk about a fantastic prepping option, the onion. Fantastic prepping option. Um, Because it it goes in so many other foods, you can eat them raw. Lots of vitamin C. Lots of vitamin C. And in this part of the world, vitamin C that you can store throughout the winter is a good deal. Although potatoes actually have a fair bit. And beets have a decent amount. Uh, Dried tomatoes have a bunch. Some of it's destroyed by the drying, but they've got so much, you've still got some left. Um, yeah, if, you, if you're eating a good selection of vegetables, you're not going to suffer, but it's still nice to have plenty of vitamin C, because scurvy is not a joke about sailors with bad teeth, guys. Scurvy is a disgusting disease, which will kill you. Right. And as importantly, if you get scurvy in a group, they become listless, they become people who don't want to do anything. And they get argumentative and crabby. Uh, Old wounds reopen. And then, you know, you're going to end up having to figure out who the Jonah is and (laughs) throw them over the side. You know, bad things are just going to happen. I think you turned left there, sir. I think you turned left. I turned left? Yeah, the whole Jonah thing. Yeah. Yeah. The Jonah was the unlucky guy on old sailing ships. And, and uh, every once in a while, if it got bad enough, <laughs> oh, <laughs> there they go. Oh, we, we just saw the red-winged blackbirds. Red blackbirds driving off. It looked like a adolescent eagle. It may have been. I couldn't tell. I was driving. But. It's either a giant hawk or an adolescent golden eagle, but it looked like an adolescent eagle. We have both in the area, so. Yeah. But, yeah, Jonas, they would, once a person figured out that they were a Jonah and they were causing the ship to be caught in the doldrums, which means they caught caught in the swirling around, unable to get out because there's no wind. In the or, low wind zone. Or causing sickness to come onto the ship or blah, blah, blah. They'd figure out who the Jonah was, and then he would get a Jonah's lift, which basically means tossed he over the side. fall overboard, air quotes. Yeah. And as an aside, sometimes captains, while not Jonah's, were too much of tyrants. So there are several, and I mean several cases, in the British naval history where, you know, the the ship would go into combat, and the only people killed were the captain and the first officer. And they were shot on the first... Shot by stray bullets from the top somewhere. And knocked them over right over the side so nobody could investigate. (laughs) Funny how that happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, we finished the podcast. Good option. Beast. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.